Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez pod. No. The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Drillers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process and Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours with the free Ricky upgrade at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Then send your pictures of your process pup and his or her new bed to Rights to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. On today's show... We fully, seriously kick off off-season Ricky, which is really our prime season. We'll start to talk about the draft, or at least touch on it, uh, now that we know where the Sixers are potentially drafting free agency, trades, and everything. Talk about the conference finals going on now. Cautiously discuss the Sixers' future versus the Celtics' future, potential trades for Ka- Kawhi Leonard, and in the second half of the pod, we will go back in time a few days and discuss the Amazing, out-of-control, very silly lottery party. Without any further ado, here's Run the Jewels. We are the murderous pair. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I am Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is actually himself going to be hooping in about an hour and 20 minutes. That is Mike Levin. Good morning, Mike. That's right. I will be playing basketball. Good morning, Spike. Good to talk to you from across the country. Once again, <laughs> rather rather than right next to each other, too close. I thought. <laughs> too close. I thought as well too. We will uh, we will talk about the live Ricky and the lottery party in the. We will go in depth because we have a lot of thank yous and I think some takes on the lottery party. So we'll do that in the second half. You have to earn it. You have to listen to the basketball stuff first, <laughs> and then then we'll get to the uh, the uh, live Ricky. And and uh, we'll say right off the top, we will have a. Um, a total for you as far as charity on next weekend's pod. We want to make sure all the uh, the quarters and dollars are counted. And we will have a full video version of the uh, the lottery party coming next week as well. Um, so now that the Sixers season has been over for, I don't know, week and a half, and we've had the lottery party, and there's been some space in between now and then, do you have, because I remember the last time we talked, you were still a little mad. Are you still a little mad or, or where's your head at? I'm only mad when the Celtics are playing. When watching them play makes me mad okay. again. Uh, because we should have won. We Obviously, the, the frustration of not having enough uh, initiators from the perimeter and not having enough two-way wings was to was tough, and I think a, a, a lesson learned for um, the front office and for the coaching staff, um, and and will serve them well going forward. Um, but man, they just Boston just hit a ton of shots. Like they played well, obviously, but like they hit a ton of shots that they don't normally hit. Like, and it's frustrating. And and you look at Cleveland, and they're very beatable. Uh, I it should should be us in the situation, but I feel I like. I like having some bruises. I like being able to look, go look go into next season being like we got to earn something, a little chip on our shoulder kind of thing. Um, and I hope, obviously, I've been in Ben Simmons' head all season. 
Um, this will make him into a fantastic jump shooter. Um, and it beats conditioning and all the stuff we've talked about of, of what they need to do. But, um, you know, there were flaws with the, with the way the team was built. Obviously, they weren't built specifically to, to make a big playoff run this past season. But I, I do think that now going forward, um, you know, it's on. The switch, the switch has been flipped. And uh, time to win some fucking games. Well, actually, that, that's a, probably a good lead-in because I wanted to... I've actually been privately um, a lot more concerned uh, over the last week and a half, and it's grown more and more since the series ended with the Celtics. And I haven't texted you about it, but I would say there's probably three or four people that have gotten, oh, no, we're dead texts from me. So um, that actually leads into the Sixer Celtics thing. But before we get to it, Let's talk about the Willie Green Five Star Apple Podcast Review of the Week. We are oh, <laughs> we're at a uh, one thousand five hundred ninety nine on the way to two thousand. When we get to two thousand, I have. I was excited to hear your take. <laughs> I was literally, legitimately excited to hear what you had to say. <laughs> and, then I, and you and you and you juke me out. I roadblocked you. With an Apple review. Yeah. Uh, when we get to two thousand, I will read the the second second set of reviews on a four hour likely podcast this week comes from Kid A Squared. It is, uh, the subject line is Sixers fans gathered. And the review goes like this. I went to high school with Mike. Wolf, wolf, baby, five stars. There we go. So please go to your Apple Podcast app, give us five huh. stars and leave a review or do it on iTunes. Or uh, if you don't use one of those apps, I don't know, rate us on a different app, but I care a little bit less about that one. All right, so... Here's my my take um, on the so uh, Gonzo actually ended up writing a you know whose future is brighter Sixers or Celtics on the Ringer, and it came a few days after I was listening to him on their their I think heat check or group chat or whatever pod it was, and I heard him like worried about the Sixers and the Celtics, and I texted him and I was like, hey man, like. I'm glad that I hear a quiver in your voice because I've felt that way for a few days now, and it's good to hear somebody else have it. And um, here's how I think. We can all look around and say that we should have beaten the Celtics, and the shots didn't fall, and we didn't have this, that, or whatever, and there are a lot of truths in what you said. You know, we don't have enough two-way wings. We don't have enough initiators. The team wasn't built for this year. All true. But the, the concern I have is that I don't think we should have won the series. And um, the Sixers were beaten in five games by a Celtics team without their two best players. And that is reality. And they were led by two of their top three players in the series are 21 and 20 years old in their rookie and second year. Horford being one of the top three players, and um, Jalen Brown. I heard I heard your voice just like I heard your voice quiver as you said Horford. Oh. <laughs> their top one. Of the I, top you know what? my voice is quivering because I had coffee this morning too much and I don't drink caffeine anymore, and it like it fucks me up. It's actually not a worry. I'm I'm trying to like come down. I'm I'm actually like full body jittering right now. 
Um, wow. You, you realize it's a good excuse for not wanting to admit that alcohol is good. <laughs> you realize, I'll tell you something about caffeine. You realize how strong and dangerous it is when you don't have it for a while and then you have it. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, but the other two. Finish your take because I'm going to rebut it. Okay. Just, yeah, let me let me finish. Um, Jalen Brown and uh, what's his name? The Tatum. Tatum. Uh, and their entire team or most of their team is built with guys who are 6'8", or 6'6", or 6'7", and can defend and look like they can shoot. And um, they are adding, in the offseason, Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. And on top of that, if, you know, we all talk about Kawhi Leonard, and I'd love for the Sixers to get Kawhi Leonard. It would be awesome. But... If the Celtics decide they want Kawhi Leonard instead of us, they will get him because they have more things to trade both now and in the future, especially when you consider that we won't trade Embiid or Simmons. Now, that is not to say that the Sixers' future isn't exciting and bright. I still do think that Embiid and Simmons have the highest ceiling out of the current players. But I think that can change rather quickly. And I think the ceiling of the guys that they have is way... I was wrong about the Celtics. Like, a lot of what I said early in the season and going into the playoffs was trolling. You know, like, they're a, a, a team build of, like, seventh men and all that kind of shit. But it was, like, based in truth. There was a seed of truth in it. In that, okay, you have a bunch of good guys, but we have a couple of world changer guys. But the truth is, is that they have more assets moving forward. They have a better general manager. They have the best coach in the entire league, you know. Um, And and unless we, unless Markel Fultz comes back exactly how we planned, which is possible, or we end up like we are in a position. I don't want LeBron or whatever, but we're in a position that if we do not get LeBron or Kawhi or Paul George uh, or Fultz doesn't come back maybe even better than we thought, I think we're fucked, like in, in comparison to the Celtics. And those things are all possible, but they are way better than I thought. And I don't, I, I, just to wrap it up, I don't think we should have won that series. And I think that's a thing that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better. But I, I don't think it's true. Um, and that's that's my concern. And uh, you know, it is it is concerning that when you look back at the last two and a half years, that all of these things that could have kept us with future assets, things like a Memphis pick or a Clippers pick, or that Kings, uh, you know, another one of those Kings picks, the the Nerlens we we let drift away to not being worth anything. Okafer, we let drift away into not being worth anything. Even the cap space that we had, which is now more limited than it was, was utilized on one-year deals until it it almost disappeared. You know, like there's no value guys on our on our team that are tradable uh, that aren't on still on rookie deals. Like Dario and Covington are the two guys. Um, but nobody knew. Like nobody that we've... And I just... I'm really concerned that the last two years have been wasted and that uh, like 
that we're in more trouble than we think we are in comparison to the Celtics. Not in comparison to the league, but in comparison to the Celtics. And that's it. Yeah, I think I think the the premise that the Celtics might be better than us going forward is not as dour as you're making it, I think. It's like, yeah, if, if the Sixers figure to be one of the top two teams in the East for a long time, like that's good. And uh, a lot can change in a short amount of time, just, which it has for the Celtics just, and it has for... Just to be clear, I just wanted to understand. So you mean second to the Celtics isn't as bad, not that we're definitely going to be second to the Celtics. Like what you're saying is it's not as dour that our situation even, it, well even if I even if I agree with your the premise of your argument that the Celtics are better positioned, like yep. that's still like fine. Right. Like right, there's right, plenty right. of teams we, you could also say you could also say the same thing about Golden State. Like it, it's not that's not saying I think we're fucked is a little is pretty strong for for that position, saying, hey, we're positioned to be the second best team in the East for a long time. Well, I meant fucked uh, if, in if comparison if not, if to them. If nothing changes. Fucked in comparison to them, not in terms of the league. I think that... I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, I guess I, I guess I, I disagree with that also, but but even then, I think it's like, you know, if 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 we're faced, if we're about to see like six straight Sixers-Celtics uh, Eastern Conference Finals going forward, then we'll win a couple of those and go to the finals. And that's pretty dope. Like, I don't think anybody's saying it, even though we're talking about like the Sixers are too good and we're going to be con- contending for championships, which we are. I don't think anyone expects like eight straight finals appearances. Like we're going to lose sometimes they're going to lose, but I think they're going to anyway, let's, let's talk about uh, less your premise, your argument and more the, the, the facts of it. Right. This, Yes, the Celtics beat the Sixers in five games, but only two of those games, game one and game four, were decisive. Hmm. Games two, three, and five were very much toss-ups. And obviously, I'm not saying that invalidates anything, but when we talk about even in a seven-game series, there's plenty of things that go randomly and shitty things happen, like JJ passes to nobody and Embiid misses an open layup. And the Sixers miss a ton of threes, like all those things. Like they could have easily, 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 without any sort of like Brad Stevens magic, the Sixers could have won those games, and they, the Sixers could have easily won the series in five. Like I truly believe that. That's not to say I think the Sixers deserved it or played better or anything. Just like luck happens a lot, and the Sixers didn't get it in this series, and that's fine. That happens, but I, I think reading so far into it that says like. I think it's. I think you're reading any further into it than like, hey, this happened, and it could have gone the other way, but this is how this is the result. Is uh, it seems ill-advised to to read too far into it. Now, obviously, the things that we said before about the Sixers lacking uh, all those two-way guys and the Celtics being deeper and not uh, and having obviously a very good coach and not being able to penetrate and get to the rim, et cetera, et cetera. Those kinds of things. Those matter, and I think those would. Those will change, but like you got to figure, this is Simmons' first year in the league. Uh, after, um, after college, we did not think he'd be able to defend. That was the big knock on him: is that he wouldn't be able to defend. Obviously, the jumper as well. But f- the fact that he came in and, and, and might be on an all-defense team as a rookie, he probably won't, but he kind of deserves to be, is crazy. And I think that is uh, saying, not acknowledging how much better he can get. I think is. Uh, sort of 
disingenuous because we, we I mean, obviously Jason Tatum can, could possibly get better, Jalen Brown, et cetera. But like Simmons is the best prospect out of, out of those guys. And we, we can believe in his development. Uh, Embiid also best center in the league already, uh, two-way defensive center, needs to work on his conditioning, hasn't had a full off season yet, uh, came back from a broken face, was wearing a mask, not making excuses, but like yeah. these are all, all things reality. that are going to change going forward. Yeah. And I think uh, to me, those kinds of things, Embiid's conditioning and a jumper, uh, Simmons getting a somewhat sustainable jumper, and Fultz uh, becoming human again, all of those things to me are more important than whoever we sign in free agency this offseason. Obviously, it matters. Uh, obviously, if we're going to spend max money on somebody, then it, it, they definitely need to you know, make sure they mind their P's and Q's because it needs to, you know, that, that's pretty much locking the franchise into, into whatever it's going to be, whoever they sign or trade for. But to me, those are the things that, you know, you have those guys for probably, you know, if, if, they, if you want, you have those guys for 10 years each. And, and, and Fultz being the, becoming the guy they drafted, Simmons being able to shoot a jump shot, and Embiid working on his conditioning and staying healthy, those things are going to matter more for the, for the future of the franchise than, than whatever free agent they, they get. And so I think those are all doable things and would all change the trajectory of any you know, future Sixers Celtics series. Now, if that, if, you know, they can, there's guys they can get that are, that are two-way wings that all of a sudden you're like, oh, you know, Jalen Brown doesn't have an advantage over, over Jason Tatum here or uh, over J.J. Redick here. And, oh, Marcus Smart is probably going to have to sign somewhere else this offseason. And Marcus Morris has one year less on a deal. Like I, I just don't look. I mean, obviously, Boston has Hayward, Irving, Horford for a couple more seasons, and Tatum and Brown in perpetuity. But I, I think, I think your little sky is falling when a lot can change. And even as as currently constructed, it could have very easily gone the other way. So I, and I'm also I'm also just not a guy that in the first year that the Sixers jump from 28 to 52 wins. I'm also not a guy that's going to say, "Oh, I'm I'm worried about this one team and everything else." Now, like I can't. I'm not saying that you did this, but I think it's just too soon to look at the one team t- after the Sixers rose 24 wins uh, in a, in a guy rookie season and a guy's like ba- 1.5 season, and their top pick barely played, and say, "Ah, we don't have it. We're screwed." So yeah, I don't. Think I feel better I, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look. Here's here's perspective uh, from. That, that you offered and also like the other side to this. The other side to this is is truly on a lot of levels that if Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid or both of them become what we dream they could become, then then we went out, right? Like that then having the very, very best guy by a large margin um, will end up being the most important thing. But I think to our our history, um, meaning you and I and the like the the group of us as saying that having the most opportunity at that possible might be might be is is important. I think the Celtics have the most opportunity at that possible, and given given the options they still have, you know, like they have things can change for sure, but they've sort of couched that in in other opportunity. So. Uh, it it will be interesting. Like I, I, maybe I made it sound too much. Sky is falling, and mostly because it's the Celtics. 
you know like yeah if, I, if it sucks i hate this team, you know for sure and but I, here's i i feel like i'm ruining everything that i've created over the last two years i hate their fans but like this team i don't hate i i i i I don't. I don't know what to say. Like I, I, I don't hate them. I. They have so. I said this on the last pod. I think there's so many guys that I actually like. Um, that that are guys that I would normally like anyway. But I hate the fact that they're good because of who they are, and that's what makes it seem more dire to me. Look, like there is a legitimate possibility, a a re- very real possibility that we do get one of those three guys or Markel Fultz does come back and and is who we dreamed and and this all feels much better but it is so my my um my disappointment and anger i think just came delayed like i on the night that we did the pod when the sixers lost to the celtics uh, like lost that series and you were sullen you know i i felt fine and i don't know why i felt fine then Maybe it's because I hadn't processed any of it, or maybe when we went down 2-0, I was sure we were, like, inside. I was just waiting to lose. Um, I think I just had a delayed reaction to everything. And seeing them... And and here's the other thing. I, I don't think Cleveland's good, you know? I I, I think I said that yeah. in the last pod. I think they're phonies. I, I, I thought the Celtics were going to win the series anyway. Um, them beating Cleveland... It was no. It's gonna. It's gonna suck. Yeah. For sure. So no, there you go. The only way it'll feel good is if they get swept in the finals. If they get swept in the finals, then I'll then I'll feel like somewhat okay. Yeah. But I, going forward, I, I Kyrie Irving is a better player than Terry Rozier. I don't think that's that's a uh, a huge take. But there's but there's no way that Kyrie Irving uh, is a better player than playoff Terry Rozier uh, currently because he's not the defender that ter- that Rozier is. He's not strong enough and he's not as physical. Um, so when you get Kyrie on, if you switch Kyrie for Irving or for Rozier in this playoffs, all of a sudden that's a mismatch on the other end. And the way Terry Rozier was playing and moving the ball and making the right decisions and not turning the ball over, like he was playing like perfect basketball for much of the playoffs and, and especially in the Sixers series. So uh, I don't, there, there's draw, there's, it's not just you add Kyrie and, and uh, Hayward and they all of a sudden get to play with seven guys on the court at the same time. No, like but, but think about this. I don't uh, think... Imagine replacing Larkin's minutes with Rozier. So, so yeah. that's, that's the problem, is that... For sure, but, he, but yeah. he, he didn't play that much. And I mean, it's more and replacing like Ojale's minutes and some of Jalen Brown's whatever with, Horf, with Hayward, et cetera. Like they're, obviously, they're good players. I'm not saying that they're not. But I, I think that this Celtics team was playing at such a high level that, you know, sometimes they're not going to. And, and mm-hmm. if Marcus Smart leaves, who knows what they're going to become. I'm just not, like, obviously they're going to be our core uh, obstacle going forward. But I, I still think we have the guys. And I think, still think there's plenty of moves to be made to, to match up well with them in the future. And uh, I guess I'm just, I'm, I think they're going to beat us sometimes. I think we're going to beat them sometimes. Sure. It's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle for a while. I yep. guess I'm not. I'm definitely not. We're fucked. Well, it's it's fun to have a an actual rival. You know, we've had we've had to like, you know, it's it's a good thing when your rival goes from hoops critic to the Celtics. Like, <laughs> and, and, you know, we've we've certainly changed a lot. I think over the last couple of years, sure. it's it's nice to be in this place. Uh, but uh, but I just. 
I think the reality that the Celtics are actually good and not just pretend good like I thought they were is a reality I was not expecting. And it, it hit me pretty yeah. hard. You know? uh, and if, they, if, if somehow they get like Anthony Davis or something like that, that would be, that'd be truly brutal. Well, and we'll, we'll talk sure. about this in, in a little bit because actually we can talk, start talking about trade stuff now. But uh, Zach Lowe and Brian Windhorst said that like Carl Anthony Towns could be a, like a, a realistic trade possibility rather than Anthony Davis. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, pretty frightening as well, <laughs> I think, adding him. Yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, obviously knowing nothing. Uh, I think a lot of times there's battles between teams and it's not good. And, you know, how Towns obviously didn't get the ball enough and didn't get enough shots. And uh, he's one of the most offense, efficient offensive players in the league. So, like, he needs to get the ball more. But th- these things happen. You know, Porzingis was going to get traded from the Knicks, and then he didn't. Like, I think, I think like, they go through rough patches, and it has to get so bad, and teams have to be so fucking stupid to trade a guy as good as Towns or Porzingis or those kinds of things. So I'm not necessarily all of a sudden going to say, oh, no, the Celtics are getting Towns or right. anything like For that. For sure. So staying on the Sixers, uh, the... You know, there are a few O'Connors in the Sixers Twitter universe, and there's Sean O'Connor, who we we love um, from Liberty Ballers. There is Mike O'Connor, who we love from uh, The Athletic. And, of course, there is the banned uh, evil Kevin O'Connor. And Kevin wrote a, uh, a LeBron column, but in that LeBron column, you know, where will LeBron go, sort of, or where could he go? And in the Sixers portion of that, he suggested a Kawhi Leonard trade, a possible Kawhi Leonard trade. Now, the thing that makes the Kawhi Leonard trade a little bit more um, complicated for the Sixers, because people, and I'll get to what he suggested, people suggested this might be giving up too much, is that Kawhi Leonard makes money that we will have to come close to matching. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just trade, you know, the 10 pick and faults, let's say, because the money doesn't add up. So he suggested the, and I, I think we would have to include Bayless in this too. He suggested the number 10 overall pick, Fultz, Covington, and Dario for Kawhi Leonard. And my question to you, Mike, is do you do that trade? No. No, I don't. I, I love Kawhi, but what happened this season with Kawhi is as weird as what happened with Fultz. Uh, and I don't, I don't start shelling out uh, core pieces for a guy who is just a big question mark going forward. I, I think he's great. I think he's one of the top four players in the league. Um, but I, I, we just can't make that move. And also, I would say, like similarly to the Fultz thing, like we don't know – Fultz's value right now Mm -hmm. but whatever his value is currently you know we said that I said this three years ago when Embiid was injured it's like you don't trade the guy uh when his value's lowest when he can reach such higher right uh stratosphere like it's there's it just doesn't make sense to make that trade you just hold on to him well yeah so even even if you don't think he's going to get there it's the value right now is is not high and maybe they made that mistake with like Okafor where they were saying his value so low and we should trade him when it's higher and they tried to like start him and it never obviously never came together. But you know, in an injury or a, a totally different kind of player is not, you know, Fultz was not the same guy he was when they drafted him. So I think that that's a different situation than like, Oh, this guy's not as good as we thought he was. It's just, it's a totally 
obviously I feel like I've said this a bunch of times on the podcast, but this is a totally unique situation in that, uh, you know, one big, huge part of his game was eliminated. And if he, if that comes back, um, which we'll talk about all off season, then it's whatever you traded him for is not worth it because he's that good. Um, well, can I play a game with you with this trade then? Sure. So, is there one, uh, is there one element of the trade that I could take away that would make you agree to the trade? So, is there like let's say we're dumping Bayless in this, and the, the what he suggested was ten faults, Covington, Dario. Can I remove one thing from that trade and make you say yes? And if so, what is that? Um, thing? Well, I would say that that San Antonio would probably demand Dario. He just feels like such a spur. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, even though his skill set is sort of similar to Kyle Anderson, um, I don't know if you if you took out if you took out Fultz, I'd probably do it. So number ten, Rock and Dario, you would do it. So let me ask you this: and, if you, and and ba- and Bayless and, and Bayless, Bayless, yes, uh-huh. of course. Uh, so what if I put Faults back in the trade and remove Ten and Dario. So it is, look, they're never allowed to trade Covington after the other night, but let's just say in this, this is a, a fantasy land where Robert Covington didn't come to the lottery party and get like a hero's welcome. So that's the world we're living in. So let's say it is Fultz and Covington and Bayless, obviously, but we keep Ten and Dario. Yeah, I don't think San Antonio does that. But th- not that's even. not what I'm asking. I know, but uh, yeah, I, I would do that. But okay. I wouldn't. All right. Wouldn't. I'm just trying. I'm trying to like gauge your your willingness to uh, with what you're you're parting with. I- yeah, I mean, I, I think I think ultimately you're correct in that other teams have better packages to offer because the Sixers all of a sudden don't have a ton of uh, future assets they have a ton of second round picks they have all of our own first round picks etc but like starting almost starting at an even level right now um and i I don't know that i don't know what san antonio sort of wants out of it i don't think that they're a team that feels like rebuilding so i don't know that you know 10 10 faults covington dario gives them any juice going forward i think they'd want if they're going to trade Kawhi, i think they would do it for like a top Five, maybe they trade. Maybe it's like a, you know, to Memphis for like Marcus Gasol and the fourth pick or something, or like Mike Conley and the fourth, something like that. Where it's like, okay, now we're now it's something. I don't know. Well, you know, they did win. That'll be an interesting franchise to uh, to watch going forward to figure out how they like what that pivot is because they still do have Aldridge and they still did win when they win 55 or 56 games last year or 52 or yeah. something like that. That's so. that's true. You're right. I ultimately I don't think that they trade him. I think generally and maybe I'm just people are all excited about the offseason and crazy things are going to happen and rightfully so because the past couple offseasons in the NBA have been absolutely insane. But never as but crazy I as don't, we think, you know. No, I think last year was. I mean like Chris Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul George. Good, good point. Jimmy good Butler. Point. Yeah. Um, last year was, was, was totally insane, but I, I guess I just don't, it's so hard to get a legitimate superstar. And even if it's the Spurs and even if like, you've never been treated this way before, I find it really hard that they're going to trade him 
and the the blood is so bad that that they can't in an off season like come to the same come to some agreement where it's like what are we doing let's like it seems crazy i know it's a another unprecedented situation but i don't know it's i i i find it, i find it hard to believe that they'll trade him i at one point i totally agreed with you and i i is the word oscillate or vacillate? I think it's oscillate to go from one side Oscill- to the other. Oscillate is a, f- a fan. Yeah, but it's a fan that moves regularly. I think vacillate is what you're looking for. Okay. So I jump from one side to the other all the time on this. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I guess from what, every, you know, from, a, what, uh, f- from like what I'm led to believe is that I don't think the Spurs are going to have that option like i i it sort of feels like Kawhi and his people are demanding this you know so unless the spurs are able to you really start to you know because the sixers had this challenge this year with faults it's funny that we conflate the faults and uh Kawhi situations because there are a couple of similarities aside from them being weird and one of them is a in in uh in Kawhi's case, a um, what's it called? An uncle, and in Fultz's case, um, the AAU coach. I forget his name. Was it Larry? I forget his name. But guys that are not agents and not um, like close advisors, I guess. Family, yeah. family friends, father-like figures advising them in a certain way. That, that and di- and diverging from the team's correct uh, held opinion correct correct so um, I like I was getting the sense that that uh, Kawhi was like has to be in a major market that's it was told that that's why they turned down the you know and this ended up I think in the Ramona Shelburne article this ended up why he turned down the big art the big offer from Jordan Brand and all that kind of stuff because he thinks he's worth more money. So that the challenge becomes with both organizations and it's different with Kawhi because he's older and more established in that you you have this delicate balance in trying to convince the player to do what you think is best but is also the opposite of what that advisor thinks is best. And that's a real challenge because you can't go to the player and say Hey, what that guy's telling you is bullshit. Just listen to us, because if if that player thought that guy was bullshit, he wouldn't be listening to him in the first place. So I think that is a similarity in those situations, and that's what the Spurs are going to have to do. And I I just wonder whether it's possible. You know, Fultz is younger, and I think it's easier to make an impression on him and maybe work with that person. And it doesn't seem like that's the situation with Leonard. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, these are just lessons that like it's really hard to have uh to keep superstar players happy you look around the league and i think it's if they're not if you're not winning and if you're not if they're not getting enough touches if they're not getting in the right market and have enough sponsorship opportunities like and that's why i think you know faults aside um brett going up to Simmons and Embiid constantly and like sitting down with them and making them like understand each other and develop that relationship in a way that's like you guys are special and we need for the team for the franchise for both of you it behooves us to make you guys uh like understand each other and accept each other on a, on a on another level not just as regular teammates and I think that 
it's it's cool that Brett is sort of seeing that early, and I wonder how it develops. But you know, it's it's not crazy to think that you look at superstars around the league and the league history in every sport. You're like, okay, well, we got to make these guys happy, and you know, maybe they're not. So yeah, look, this is this is kind of the price you pay for being too good. Yeah, here we are. Um, you didn't have uh, Evan Turner complaining about his touches <laughs> because they sucked. That's a good point. That's a good point. We'll talk about this later. I thought uh, one of Covington's best moments was telling that Evan Turner story. I thought that was yeah, hilarious. that was good. Uh, that was good. Well, one one second. So you're still you're still anti going after LeBron for the Sixers. Yeah, uh, for the I, I want to. This is it's really become. I hate uh, talking about anything on the internet anymore uh, because it's impossible for anyone to actually understand your point. So I want to state it, even though I've stated it very clearly a million times. Any general manager or almost every general manager, including if Sam Hinkie was here, would take the opportunity to sign LeBron and not be wrong. Yeah. I understand. True. Any um, fan who wants LeBron is not wrong. I, I don't think that that person's wrong and I will never try to convince them otherwise. Like I never want to get into a LeBron debate with anybody because I don't like I don't begrudge them for feeling that way. I think it's a completely reasonable way to feel. But my experience as a fan because that is really what we are. We are we're fans. We're not journalists. We just we we're fans that happen to have a podcast. My opinion is that the experience of watching that team and going through that experience would be less would not be as fun and people go well it wouldn't be fun to go to the finals like of, of course it would be fun to go to the finals but it's at what cost i i it doesn't feel like it's the sixers that go to the finals it just feels like you're like if you just want to cheer for lebron to go to the finals whenever then cheer for whatever fucking team he's on like that's that's pretty easy i laid out pretty pretty clearly why i don't want it and I still don't want it. And I, I don't think them losing is not is not like when they lose or LeBron plays well. They're like, see, don't you want him now? It's like, no, I know that LeBron is good. He's either the first or second best player that I've ever seen in my life. I know that he's the best player in the NBA right now. And I know that the Sixers need to add another star to compete with teams like Golden State. All that said, and uh, and the two people who have talked about it recently are... Like Wintorst has has talked about some of the same things that I mentioned in that thing that I wrote, and even David Griffin um, talked about like as soon as you get LeBron, everything changes, you know, and yep. everything that you make is for right this second, and you do not have the ability to look into the future. Now, I, what I don't want to combine is say that the ability to look for the future means that I don't think that right now is the important, but I think his point was the idea of sustainability no longer exists either. That's what he means by the future. Not that you're you're planning for five years from now instead of now, but you're planning for both. And I just don't want to do that. And I don't think that would be less fun for me. I, I wouldn't not cheer for them. I wouldn't criticize Brian Colangelo for doing it. None of those things. I just personally, from my own fan experience, I, I wouldn't want it. Uh, so I, I have been going back and forth on this for months now. And I was on... Uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia with uh, Amy Fadul and Mark Ferzetta and they asked me this and I just gave an awful answer. I'm so <laughs> bad at those things. It's just terrible. Uh, 
I just I sort of I sort of podcast waffled, you, and this this not good for live television. Can I tell so, you what's funny? Um, Ria for the morning show asked me about having you on one day, and I was like, I'll give you his number. I was like, but just so you know, like he is a podcast guy. Like yeah. he is really good on a podcast. But if you need a fifteen second answer out of Mike, I I don't know if you're going to be able to get exactly yeah. what you want. So. Well, I need to almost like prepare for it if I'm if I'm going on anything. Right, I right. never prepare for really anything, so <laughs> yeah. I need to have a tight a tight thing. So they asked me. I, so like, I think I think I'm of of seventeen minds of it, but the, I think it boils down to LeBron would feel like too much it, for some reason. It would feel like we lose control of either the narrative or of or of like the team, or it's just sort of out of our hands. And I like sort of feeling like we as uh, pro process people um, are still sort of like almost driving the bus a little bit and if, if it's LeBron then it just becomes a LeBron show right. and I, I feel like sort of the process takes a backseat even though like the, the act of LeBron wanting to come here is crazy right. and would be an honor and, and validate all the things that, that the process was about and was hoping for. Oh yeah, let's for be sure. clear. We're taking a victory lap, no matter what happens. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But so, but I think like the LeBron of it all, also like he is aging, and like the 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 holding GMs and coaches hostage thing is real, with some like uh, personnel decisions that I mean, I, obviously he's the best basketball player of all time, but I don't agree with his like talent evaluation. Um, for free agents or draft picks that he that he does everywhere and rightfully so he's LeBron he should be able to do whatever he wants he's that good that he that you should give him the keys to your franchise I just think our franchise is set up well enough that we sort of don't need that and I and I kind of want to split the difference and go for like a Paul George Bradley Beal Clay Thompson CJ McConnell like that sort of thing Jimmy Butler those kinds of players that are like still like stars stars to superstar level um, but sort of being able to slot them in more with the organic core that we already have and not feel like it's a takeover and not feel like we have to change the whole identity of the team and uh, like Simmons and Embiid take a backseat, those kinds of things. And that being said, would I love LeBron in like Joe Johnson, Vince Carter time of his career, like some Twilight LeBron where he can be sixth man and like turn it on when he wants to? Yep. Absolutely in a couple of years. But for now I would love just like a two way wing that can also take over the game at times without, uh, sort of throwing out the whole identity of this team. And maybe that makes me an idiot. I might be an idiot. I might think you're an idiot well, because he's the best player in the world and we should want him. But, uh, I still have so many good feelings about this team and, and, and how it built organically. And Brett said, I don't think, we still need somebody. Like, yeah, I, I absolutely, sure. we have cap space. Sign somebody. Go at, go get somebody for sure. I don't want to say like we have to win. If we don't win with Luau and Korkmaz, then it's not worth it. Like that's not what I'm saying. But I I do think that like the, with the hierarchy of people that are there, adding a guy of like a, you know, Redick was such a help this year. Like a a two way Redick, like at a better part of his career would be would be better. And that's, if that's Clay Thompson or if that's Brad Beal, like that's awesome. I would love that. Yeah. I, I, I think Underberger, because he wrote a more, uh, the, the Rice Ricky Sanchez's Andrew Underberger wrote a more like, what, what's the segment? What's the name of the segment? If not, if shit, 
If not, we'll convey as two second round picks. If not, pick will convey as two second rounders, right? That's it. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's it's our own thing. <laughs> Fucking so for the worst. Uh, he wrote a more stumble through the name is the new yeah, feature. He he wrote a more feels sort of LeBron thing at the beginning of this, and I I tried to write. I I thought that people would expect that out of me, so I tried to write a more um like pragmatic thing but his feels thing was at the heart of it was look we all enjoy sports in different ways in how we enjoy them and i am certainly not anyone to tell anyone how they should enjoy sports we've enjoyed but but we've enjoyed sports in maybe the most unconventional way in history over the last five years and it has given me a different perspective and it has given me a perspective in that Look, I might not want the same things out of sports that I wanted five years ago. I want them to be great. I want them to win a championship. It's great. It's awesome. But really, day to day, I want the experience of liking my team to be something that brings me joy and brings me like, you know, is something that I feel good about. And I think a lot of the LeBron experience is filled with anxiety because you're afraid he'll leave or you're afraid you might not win a championship. And that might be, to your point, that might be a loser mentality, but I don't want anxiety. That's, that's not why I'm watching the Sixers. I'm fine. The most anxiety I want is what we found and will find in the playoffs as just a team in the playoffs. But I don't want this day-to-day anxiety that like, I might wake up to an Arthur meme that is going to piss off like Dario. <laughs> You know, like I, I, I don't, I don't want that. I, I, I like Dario how he is. Like, the only person that's allowed to piss off Dario is TJ when he's on the court. Like, they're allowed to yell each other, but I don't want like LeBron here, Mario Chalmersing like, fucking Dario for me. Like, I don't, I don't need that. I don't want it. And if that makes me a loser because I'm okay with having less of a chance at a championship without LeBron, then fine, then I'm a fucking loser. But that's why I like, that's why what I want out of sports and it's what I want out of the Sixers. And that's it. And that doesn't mean that anybody else um, is wrong for feeling that way. People try to bait me into the LeBron argument. There's no argument to be had. You know, I, I see both sides, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I I, I think I'm mostly with you and I, I do think it would feel like a process championship if it if we add clay or beal or those kinds of guys mm-hmm. um and it would feel like a lebron championship if uh we got him um and i do want to win with our guys uh, not wanting to arthur meme dario is a really good reason <laughs> why, why to keep him away uh that's a t-shirt great. maybe we got a t-shirt at some point um arthur meme dario uh, uh all i have left that's lottery. Let's, Let's talk about the lottery party. Yeah, lottery party. That's all I have left. So before we get into the lottery party, um, we'll we'll obviously I'll edit this in and post, but you can hear this. So uh, Eliza Hardy Jones, who is a fantastic singer and songwriter and performer from Philadelphia, who you may know from the uh, from the relationship advice theme song. I sent her husband is also a musician. I met him down at Clearwater, Andrew. He's now a lawyer, but used to be in, was in doc, Dr. Dog year, years ago. And I sent them a note about a month before the lottery party. I was like, hey, I, I have a weird, you know, idea. Um, 
do you guys ever work together on anything? And if so, I have an idea for the lottery party. Do you want to hear it? Like I couched it with lottery party because that way they thought maybe it would be weird. And they're like, let's hear it. And I was like, would you perform and record a process version of Imagine, John Lennon's Imagine, and that we could play with a video at the lottery party? And they said yes within like five seconds. Um, They recorded, Eliza's voice on this is as good as any Imagine cover I've ever heard. Um, And it's awesome. And then you, of course, put together the video, which we can't put anywhere because of the images that we don't have the rights to. Um, hey, if, if you happen to see John Barchard's Twitter, there, it might be on there, I think. Um, but I, we, we can play the song on the podcast. And I just your reaction to the song, it's wonderful. We'll put the lyrics in the post for this. She just did such an awesome version. It's like equal, equal parts like um, haunting and also... Um, emotional. I just, I love it. Yeah, it's really good. It was beautiful. I, I got emotional. So I made, I edited it with my friend Ben, who also edited the, uh, the first ever lottery party, uh, video that was like sort of culled from different, uh, perspectives at Miller's Ale House and also Bauman's place in Columbus and Justin F's yeah. place in Philly and me in LA on the, in basketball apartment. Uh, and so I did it with him and he's not a Sixers fan, but he's sort of been around for this whole thing. And so he saw me like getting, as I'm picking which pictures to use for what he saw me sort of getting like misty eyed a little bit. And he's like, what, what is this? What are we doing? Why is this? Why is choosing this picture more emotional? And I was like, I think people are going to feel it. And, <laughs> and I think, I think they did. It they was did. good. I, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was fun. And there's that one picture of, of, uh, behind us of, uh, of Hawes. Yep. And me and me and you next to each other with Hawes with were uh, framed from with Hawes and it was really yeah that's a good picture that was uh, Jason we'll get to the photographer's adventure that was Jason Baranowski who took that picture and he also took one that was like instead of sad like the Hawes one like victorious with the Covington in the middle too so so mm-hmm. here is Eliza Hardy Jones and I don't know what Andrew did with it if he did anything I just know that he was part of the process but I think he did something so here is uh, their version of Imagine and right afterwards we'll talk about the lottery party.
Okay, hope you enjoyed that. You can download this podcast and isolate it if you want. So, um, I don't know, man. I, I there's so we, much. We were we were we were worried. We were worried. We were yeah. we were both worried um, because it's not a live. It wasn't like a live podcast at Underground Arts. It's the lottery party, and we knew even though we sold tickets this year, we knew that not everybody there is a big Ricky fan. You know. Yeah, there, there are more people, like as you get bigger, this is like at the same with a band or something. As as the venue gets bigger, there's more people just sort of on the fringes. So whereas underground arts, the only people that are coming to underground arts are the diehards. There are, this is Xfinity Live, it's 3,000 people. So there are people there who don't even listen to the podcast, you know, who just yeah. want to come for a Sixers party. So and, and Covington obviously had a very tough Celtics series. Even before that Celtics series, for whatever reason, he's a very polarizing player. It's sort of like an analytics debate and a watch the games debate and a don't pay that guy debate all sort of wrapped up into one. Yep. I don't, I don't know why it became Covington, but uh, maybe it's deflection rate. Who knows? Um, but of, we're worried of which because he has the best in the NBA. That's right. Yeah. Um, we're worried that it wasn't – there would be some I, – I wasn't worried it would be like full booing, but I, I was worried that you'd be able to hear boos, and that would have really bummed me out. I was, I was think I, I pegged it at like 80-20 cheers to boos going into it, but I, it was just – when he walked out, absolutely deafening. I can still hear it ringing in my ears. Uh, crazy loud. Yeah. All cheers, all excitement, all love. That video that Xfinity Live posted on Instagram, that then they put in the in the in the um, in the little like two minute video that they edited together for Twitter, uh, it's crazy. Like you can see my face, I'm just like blown away by how loud it is. It's uh, it was awesome. Yeah, was, I, th- I so think dope. you mouth like oh my god or something like that. I, I maybe it was something else, but I saw that. And what was even what was most amazing about it, or one of the amazing things about, and you're right. Like every if you're listening to this and you were there, like you. That's what that guy deserves, right? Like that guy has worked his ass off over the last few years and he is one of our favorites. He's one of like the core four process guys and he deserved that. And he now walks away knowing how much you love him. And that is, you know, that's important to us. And I think from what I could gather, just looking at his face and then talking to him briefly afterwards, like you, it meant something to him. So thank you for that. I think... What what is amazing to me is when you're watching the video, I tried to do the Covington intro, and when people saw him, the roar was so loud that I couldn't talk over the roar. Yeah, and that was just they didn't know where he was coming from. You know, there was the, but for some reason they they saw it and it was so loud and it did two things. First of all, it was like a awesome statement about Rob and about the people who listen to the pod and. this community but that was also the moment where i was like fuck look at all these people here and uh (laughs) from a a personal standpoint i just i can't believe that that's a thing i i i sent mike the uh that tweet um yesterday the xfinity live tweet with that video and i was like we look at all those fucking people there (laughs) it's it was awesome it was a really that was crazy man it was great it was so nice uh people were people were always great at the lottery party and and uh you're always there with people people like thanking me for coming in for it is like very sweet there was a guy on my airplane on the way in that uh 
I, I like woke up from a nap and he was like looking at me. He goes like, trust the process. And I was like, uh, okay. Like, I was very, very thrown off by it, but uh, very nice guy. And the, uh, just always people are cool. And my parents were there. My writing partner, Patrick was there. Somebody's from high school were there. Puff Andy. Uh, my family, Puff Andy, my sister, Melanie, like yeah. all these people. And it was like, everyone's just sort of looking around like, what the fuck is this? This is crazy. And like, just e- even this year, like it was ratcheted up with like us having the, for whatever reason, seeing the like too good on the on like the wraparound. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to what's it, what's it, what are they called? That's what, uh, it's called the uh, shit. It's not banner. It is shit. Anthony from X Men Live told me. I think it was whatever like wraparound screens. Yep. That kind of thing. Uh, ribbons. Seeing ribbon, that was like ribbon. Ribbon. Yeah. Ribbon. It felt like holy shit. This is like a real. This is a real deal thing. And it felt. It felt very cool, guys. It's really fun. Um, we had we were lucky enough to have a head count there, which registered some voters, and we donated. Obviously, we don't have a final number yet, but donating a lot of money to charity to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Justice Rescue, and then the wedding, like all these, like just good vibes and good feelings, like for it to happen so uh organically out of this thing, and then also like a week after the Sixers got eliminated in in a horrifying fashion for it to be like only feeling good about stuff um was really cool and it uh warms my heart it's a it is a nice it is a genuinely nice thing and if obviously there's gonna be people that are shitty about it like online there's some comments saying like why are they cheering covington he's a loser there's cheers for, we cheer for losers now like that kind of shit it's like well fuck them they don't get yeah. it and just and understand that cool. that's the minority you know like that's the all you have to do is look at that thing and know that there's enough of us you know, to not worry about those people. Know that they're they're the they're the wrong ones, and we're the right ones. We uh, and you know, this is a different one for us this year because normally what happens is the season ends, and then we have a five week ramp up to the lottery party. Yeah, and all we do so long. Yeah, now we had a really a week and a half, a week to talk about it, and to your point, it was a week after they lost. It was a week after we were totally bummed, and I think. This is, in talking to Xfinity Live afterwards, even the night, the lottery was like, ah, cool, the lottery's going on. And then everybody forgot about it. So, mm-hmm. y- you know, it, I think just looking into the future, this is the night that we come together and we all feel good about everything and feel good about, like, this experience. You know, it's, you know, what I was talking about a little bit before about the LeBron experience. This is one of the things in sports that I like, that we can all just come together and, and be fun. So... No matter what's going on, whether the Sixers are playing that night, whether whatever, whether they have a, a team in the lottery or not, this becomes like our yearly gathering spot. Next so. season, they will be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals, and, get number and they one. will be getting the number one overall pick from Boston. Being able to imagine it's Sixers-Boston, we win game one in Boston, and then steal the number one pick from them, or, or after stealing the number one pick from them, that would feel so good, and it's going to happen. We will project it out into the universe. I can feel it. Uh, cuss cries round two. Yeah. If they go cuss cries for for I will actually I will honestly respect them more if they if they use cuss cries again next season. If they continue after to the, use it after the after the torrent of shit that I, that they've gotten for their fucking horrible branding, yeah. you fucking morons. But if you do it next year, if you double down on it next year. I will respect you begrudgingly. There's nothing we respect more than doubling down on shit that doesn't work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's that, yeah. that's actually them them uh, giving us a nod. I think on yeah, some level. Yeah. It really is. Uh, 
And, Who else and, we got to thank? We got to thank some people. Yeah. Well, and you know this the the not just the lottery party, but the whole like live thing experience now is a thing that we can replicate, and everyone seems to love all the events. So, um, okay. So thanks. Of course, thanks to Robert Covington, who had surgery the next day. Um, you know, was that just, on us? What's that? Did we slap his hand too hard? No, 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 no. He was having surgery before he came back. So, okay. Um, you know, who was having surgery the next day, uh, who just lost in the playoffs the week before. But he told me afterwards, he goes, uh, and I think this was the same thing that TJ said, like almost word for word. He said, they said it would be crazy, but I didn't think it would be that crazy. Um, yeah, well, I mean, TJ had like, there were 450 people there. Yeah. Covington had six or seven times that. Yeah. And was also from like a balcony where yeah. people were looking up at it. It was a crazy, it's absolutely insane. So thank you to our guests. And we'll get to Pablo in a minute. Pablo Torre, um, Amos Lee, and Mike Weber, um, who are all part of the live pod. And I realized the next day I looked at the lineup on the live pod and I'm like, okay, here's Covington, all defensive, you know, NBA player. Here's Pablo, like one of the three or four most important faces and voices on ESPN moving forward. Here's Amos, a guy who has had a number one album and can sell out like Red Rocks. And here's Mike Weber, who lost an Academy Award uh, nomination. But they were Handily all- lost. Yeah. But they're all part of our live podcast. Like it's good. That's a pretty impressive lineup. So thank you to everyone. We already thanked Eliza and Andrew. Um, photography. So uh, Adrian Matz and her website is a wedding photographer. AdrianMatzPhotography.com. She she and her husband Michael not only took pictures of the wedding but the whole event. They're on rights to RickySanchez.com. The wedding pictures are so pretty. They look like normal wedding pictures. Like yeah, they look like they weren't done at a lottery party. Yeah, in like, front of three thousand idiots. Well, the, drunk. and the other ones were like outside of Xfinity Live, you know. And uh, they look beautiful, and they just did an, an amazing job. So, if you need a wedding photographer or an event photographer, please reach out to Adrian. All of her pictures are on the website. Um, so, thank you to Adrian. Another photographer, Jason Baranowski. Uh, took a bunch of photos. They are up on rightstrickysanchez.com, his Instagram, his Twitter, up there as well. Um, we had a car service take Pablo from 30th Street Station to Xfinity Live and then drive Pablo all the way back to New York. Um, wow. They are the same car service that took TJ to uh, Underground Arts, and they're great. So Nicolette um, is the person who runs it. The name of the place is Tropiano Bus Company. 215-616-5370. They have uh, buses and they have limos and they have all that kind of stuff. So thank you to Nicolette and Trapiano. Um, we had a lot of volunteers. Um, my brother-in-law, Joe, Joe DiBiagio, who runs Fans of Philly, and his girlfriend, Paige, mm -hmm. and also Don Steele, one of the New York uh, process trusters, all stood in front of the Hinky Banner and um, took donations for almost two hours. So thank you. Um, Love it. My wife... Rebel and Eric Shannon, the guy who fucking owns Big Barker, all stood with my dog for an hour and a half, uh, taking pictures with people who donated. Um, and then Big Barker went and matched that donation. So thank you to those guys for doing that. Um, Maria Donahue, uh, who handled wedding stuff, Cindy Webster, um, who handled VIP stuff, and Jack Fritz, who handled, who 
fucked up the whole time, but handled producing our <laughs> podcast on site, all from WIP and all helped. All I did was yell at Jack the whole time for not having people where I wanted them. So I like Jack. Jack's a great He's dude nice. and a uh, a real Ricky listener, and I love Jack, but he fucked up the whole thing. So uh, <laughs> next time, next time we'll do better. Uh, our amazing, amazing sponsors who were not just part of the wedding, but are part of the podcast, really. And you can tell when we did the commercials live in front of everybody that they get, we say we're going to do the commercials and people start chanting for these people. Um, L.L. Pavorsky, who is the original Right Streaky Sanchez um, advertiser and uh, just fucking loves the lottery party more than we do, more than anybody it's, does. It's, it's more his party than our party, yeah. I think. Uh, Adam Kornblau, the official lawyer of the process, just Kornblau chants. Like, what lawyer gets those? It was awesome. <laughs> so thank you. I love the photo of him up there with us. And Eric and Big Barker dog beds. Um, we are selling a lot of Big Barker dog beds with the Ricky logo. And there were a lot of people that actually saw that we had it where Rebel was who saw how like how nice it was. And now your family dog, Donovan, has one. Um, yep. We have a ton of pictures up in the, the Process Pups gallery. So thank you to Eric, who not just is a, a dedicated listener and a sponsor of the pod, but volunteered his time. And then two not normal advertisers, but are part of the donations and, and provided things were Rita's Italian Ice. Did the, um, there were cups with our logo on it and the, uh, the Shirley Temple Rita's drink. And I, didn't have an, I didn't have any of it. I'm so bummed. Well, maybe, maybe next time. Well, I oh, think Rita's was very happy. So, so thank you to Rita's. Cool. And then the casino. My, fr- my former employer. Uh, yes. Thanks for, thanks for the uh, $150 a week in 2007. <laughs> and there, by the way, the uh, Rita's and then the casino at Delaware Park who, put to, who made all of the ping pong balls, um, of which we still have some left. So our next live event, we'll make sure that, that they're there. Um, casino at Delaware Park and Rita's both making donations to our charities as well. Um, our charities, in addition to Headcount, who you mentioned, just to reiterate, and we're going to announce next week on the pod how much we raised and how much you as a listener raised, but the number is going to be pretty awesome this year. We have an idea. We just don't have a final number. National Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Justice Rescue. Justice Rescue was there. Tara from Justice Rescue sent me an email the next day. She she was like, she was very thankful, but she was like, man, the people that go to that event are pretty passionate. Yep, they sure are. Um, everyone at Xfinity Live who puts up with our nonsense and actually pushes the nonsense forward in a lot of ways. So Anthony, Tony, Lindsay, Kaya, Stephen, who not only works at Xfinity Live, but uh, helped us out with uh, Covington. Um, Mark, Jay, Patrick, thank you to all of them. And then last but not least, the wedding. Um, <laughs> I... It really hit me when I saw Lauren in her wedding dress and Zeke in his like wedding suit and parents actually there that people yeah. were actually getting married. Well, um, I walk in and you see Lauren, Lauren's wedding dress and you're like, oh, a real, real wedding, yeah. real wedding dress person. Yeah. I, it hit me as we, we did the stage changeover in between the pod and the, the wedding and I walked over to them and I gave them... Like I saw them and I was like, oh no, they're really getting married here in front of everyone. Like they really got married. Um, it was a, it was for, 
considering the time and place, the fact that it was touching and beautiful was awesome. I gave uh, Zeke and Caleb, his brother, and Lauren all a big hug before it started, and I saw their parents. And their parents said, hey, thank you guys for everything that you do. And I said, hey, I know you don't mean that. Um, <laughs> I said, thank you for allowing this to happen. I know this was not your optimal idea. But I said, just know that we care very much about Lauren and Zeke and that it's a good experience. And then Pablo, I think it hit Pablo too, because I was watching Pablo be very serious reading his sermon in front of everyone. He was good. He was, he was good, man. He was The very right good. amount of seriousness with the right amount of jokes. Yep. Uh keeping it to learn and Zeke, but occasionally nodding at the 3000 idiots that were there also. Like yep. it was a, well, I told him it was like, it was a small window to hit and he really nailed it. And, uh, uh, also said a bunch of nice things about Sixers fans. Yeah. The best fans in the league. Yeah. And he's right. Yeah. So thank you to Pablo for doing that. Um, and th- of, of course, thanks to all our sponsors who are prize providers for this, uh, as well as Mike Weber, as well as the, uh, New York, uh, trusters of the process. And final thing, uh, Cornblow. So Lauren and Zeke uh, declined the prenup, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Cornblow <laughs> is going to, um, and that is the right move. Zeke declined the prenup, unless you know, unless you're super rich or something. But I don't think you, that's my guess. I don't think you are. Um, Cornblow <laughs> is going to pay for limo transportation for Lauren and Zeke to. Um, to and from the airport when they go on their romantic getaway from Apple Vacations and the Rio Palace Riviera Meyer. So Cornblow is going to take care of their limo. I don't know, That's man. That's awesome. It was one I of was, the. I was sitting. I was standing next to uh, next to Weber during the wedding, mm-hmm. um, and he obviously helped them write the vows and stuff. Um, and they, he said that they mostly did it themselves. He was just sort of helping shape and uh, etc. And so watching him as if like they were his actors. Yeah. And he and they would say a line. He'd be like, "Oh, that that should have gone." That should have gone first. That's just, it was just like watching him be like, eh, mm. it was really, really funny. But like, I thought I couldn't really hear all of it all the time. Um, but then I listened to the podcast back and like the vows are very, very sweet. I thought they were great. I thought Pablo did a great job. And um, the fact like Lauren and Zeke uh, being as I, I thought they spoke pretty confidently. I thought like yeah. I expected them to be worse, <laughs> I guess. Not, not that them specifically, but people getting married on the biggest day of their lives also like randomly in front of uh, 3,000 people, not all of whom were paying attention. Like the fact that they were like, they spoke confidently and, and, and lovingly. I thought that was really beautiful and great. Yeah. And I agree with you and yeah. And they spoke lovingly and beautiful and also put process stuff in there, which yeah. they, they, they read the room in the same way that, that Pablo did. And then like, you know, I know it's a, a, a ridiculous thing to get married there, but also to get a giant cheer from 3,000 people after you get married is cool. Like that was a, yeah. I, I think and then, and then a trust the process chant at the end of it. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely really cool. They, and they did speak really confidently. They, they didn't appear nervous at all. <laughs> like, honestly, no. they didn't. So everyone did a great job. Thank you. You know. I, I wasn't I wasn't nervous I was only nervous a little bit for the for my Jason Kelsey thing that Wait, was the only thing that well was. you did a uh, the video well not the video I haven't seen the video yet but the pictures are hilarious especially at the end when you get super intense um, yeah. you it's did a, way more uh, authoritarian than I, than I anticipated I thought it would be like sort of rabble rousing but it mostly what it, there's some pictures that make it look pretty Hitlery, but in, a, in not a good way. Well, that's how it looks. I mean, so you weren't there last year, but I did the the speech before the Hinky Banner, and that's when you're standing. I, I have news for you: when you're standing in front of a few thousand people 
and getting them to chant and cheer at specific times and you're like pumping your fist, that's what it looks like. There's no escaping it. Um, but I thought you did it. You did an awesome job. Those are the things as we continue to do these live events, we're realizing, man, you guys, not only do you like being in the cult, but you really like being culty about it. Like the the cultier, the better at the live events. So it's just all chants. We're a very chanty group. Philadelphia is a very chanty city, and then the process nation within it is even chantier. Yeah. I think. Yeah. The four, the organic four more years chant. You could hear in the podcast someone said four more years, about and then all of a sudden everybody started saying four more years about Covington's contract. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you were talking about Weber. This is what I want to bring up. There are a lot of moments I like on the the pod. I think the one. Amos realizing that we had completely lost control of everything and saying to me, hey, you know, you can't hear anything in the monitors. And I was being pissy event spike and into the mic. I go, yeah, I've been complaining about that for 10 minutes Um, (laughs) and him just laughing at me. And then Weber, us basically saying, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Weber, as he was finished and thanking Mike and him going, hey, I haven't seen the like a couple yet. Where are they? He's got more to say. (laughs) Absolutely. He's within his right. That was the first time he was on the podcast. We'll have him on. We can do more of it. Yeah. Well, he and his, he goes. He goes. I couldn't hear anything. I, I I didn't know you were thanking me. It's like, dude, you were getting up from your seat and people were <laughs> cheering you. Like it Great. was a very uh, very Woody Allen. Like oh, I you know like very like uh, I I don't know what's going on here. I don't know. <laughs> Where's the couple? Shut the fuck up, Mike. Get out of here. So yeah, we'll have to have him on again. So that's it. It was good. It was very fun. Covington was uh, was very, you know, for for there being three thousand people there. I think the I think the live pods at like an, at an underground arts are generally better suited for us to have a player where mm-hmm. we can like actually talk to them and get into it and and have the chance, but also like have them be quiet enough to hear. But like with that many people there, Covington was still so good and still very yeah. well spoken and and like composed, and I was very impressed by that because I certainly wasn't. Yeah, I think. I think what's good is, and I think like the crowd made it easier for him to be that way. You know, um, it can mm-hmm. be, you know, he, when you come out and you say, "Hey, no matter what you do, we're good with you." It allows him to be more fun and honest. I thought he gave fun answers. The uh, the thing about Turner telling him that he was going to get him back at some point was funny. Um, he loved the nickname bit, you know, and uh, I thought it was just funny playing his. This was your idea, playing his game winners in front of him. And just yeah. everybody cheering as if it just happened, like have with yeah. TJ. Because I think, cause I think these guys, like you know, especially the under, un, undrafted guys like TJ and Cove, like they they might have thought that they could be here at some point. But the fact that they're really here and they're really playing NBA games and like they're on a, on like a major stage is cool. And they're just guys, so you know, I would watch my game winners all the fucking time. Yeah, and they probably have also. So it's it's fun to see them, like you know. I, I re-listened to the TJ podcast before we did it, and he was, and I asked him like, "Have you l- watched this a couple times before?" And he was like, "More than a couple." And it's like I'm sure Covington's the same thing. It's like these are just guys, and and seeing it in front of these, it it makes you see them as like real people and and almost like kids again because it's the coolest experience in the world, and so it's it's fun to get to share that with them. Yeah, he he made uh, me feel good when I I had I didn't know what I was going to ask him after the Minnesota one, the one where he jumps and lays it in. And I just said something stupid like that looked really hard, and he was like, "It was really hard." I was like, "Oh, good. Thank you for the save there. Bad yeah. question. Good answer." Yeah. All right. We All right. I gotta go. go play ball. All right. Go play ball. Um, we'll talk to you next week. We'll have the video next week and the lottery party total. Thanks for everything. Uh, are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know, lick face. We
other murderers pair That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair Used to have pile of the push, now I smoke pounds of the push Holy, I'm burning the bush Now I give a fuck about none of this shit Two runner over and out of this bitch Get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Come from the clouds on a missile.